I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside sources. Inside sources. Inside sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources. For those of you that were hoping to hear from Boyd Matheson, you're joined this afternoon by Greg Scordis, and I'm happy to be with my friend Leah Murray. We've hosted several shows before, and it's it's always interesting with you, by the way. <laughs> it's always a good time. <laughs> you know, uh, taxes were due this week, and I'm assuming because you do everything right that you filed your taxes on time. I did file my taxes on time. And, Very and, good citizen, I right. am. <laughs> and, and, of course, you assume that I do everything wrong, and I haven't filed my taxes yet, but it's, hey, it's I'm only five days late. Uh, we'll get around to it, and I hope my wife is not listening right now, although she probably is. But no, honey, we did not get our taxes filed this week. Uh, millions of Americans did, and Leah, it turns out that we uh, increased our deficit this year in it, last year by two point eight trillion dollars, and so the nation's deficit now is at twenty four trillion dollars. I mean, that's something. That's a legacy that we are leaving our children. That they will never dig out of. I mean, right. I don't. It's no, a number that makes no sense, right? It's so. Oh big, yeah, it's I mean, like, like yeah. what do you what do you do with with twenty four trillion dollars, and how are we ever going to get into it? I I remember uh, talking to someone earlier about the Biden's uh, budget plan that he was reducing uh, the deficit by some amount. What he was reducing was the amount that we increase the deficit by a trillion dollars. Tricky uh, math. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, but earlier, uh, Boyd Matheson was able to speak with Dan Lips, head of the po- head of policy at Lincoln Network, about a bipartisan bill that could help reduce government waste. Boyd asked Dan to explain where the federal government is at in terms of how much money it's spending versus how much money it's bringing in. And this is what Dan had to say. It's a big challenge facing the country. In recent years, we've had trillion-dollar deficits, meaning that the federal government is taking in significantly less than we're paying out in terms of benefits and spending. And over time, the experts at the Congressional Budget Office project trillion-dollar deficits through the end of the decade. And what this means is that the national debt that's already over $20 trillion is expected to grow. And at some point, that bill is going to come due. Yeah. Uh, and as we look at that, uh, before we get into how we, we fix the, the spending component, uh, last year, last fiscal year, uh, the IRS collected, I think, more than they ever had in, in history. And yet we still ran 
uh, a $2.8 trillion deficit. So uh, as you look at that, obviously we have some components of that in terms of COVID and, and some exceptions there. But from an ongoing basis, what, what is the real root of the, of the problem? The big challenge is um, the growing entitlement burden and the, the programs that are on autopilot it continue to increase in cost year after year. And on Capitol Hill and in the administrations over the last 20 years, there's been real no, really no commitment to um, getting the books in order. Uh, so there's really an ongoing spending addiction in Washington that really threatens the nation's future economic health. Yeah, and one of the things that you pointed out in uh, your piece at the Washington Examiner that I thought was uh, was really significant was that uh, we're always equal opportunity offenders on this, and, and both uh, Democrats and Republicans have equally spent out of control uh, over the course of the last several decades. Uh, but you talked about this yeah. as a leadership issue. Explain that. I think it requires leadership to address these challenges. At the end of the day, lawmakers on Capitol Hill and in the and, uh, presidents in the White House are going to have to make tough decisions. That's going to require either cutting spending, uh, which means cutting benefits for the American people, or raising taxes. It's that simple. And um, leadership requires the courage to take action. It also takes courage to, to uh, reach compromises, since these difficult decisions will need to be made with bipartisan support to become law. And you pointed out also this uh, new piece, this Improving Government for American Taxpayers Act, uh, which was sponsored by uh, a Democrat and a Republican. Tell us about that and, and the impact that can ultimately have. Absolutely. This is a really encouraging bill that's emerged in the last month or so. The Improving Government for American Taxpayers Act would basically require Congress to take quicker action on watchdog recommendations that the nonpartisan government accountability or GAO um, publishes every year about how to make the government work better. GAO is a nonpartisan agency that works for Congress. They have thousands of auditors who look at federal programs. You basically assess whether they're working and then make recommendations both to the administration and to lawmakers for how to improve government performance. Yeah, and that's such an important thing. And, uh, and you pointed out one of the challenges to that uh, is those recommendations come and we're, we're always calling for transparency, always calling for, you know, let's just tell us where is the waste, fraud and abuse. And, and most important, tell us what the outcomes are. Are we actually getting the outcomes we desire in these programs? You noted that uh, the, the recommendations have been significant coming out of that GAO. But you've also pointed out that Congress is pretty slow to actually act on the information they're given. Absolutely. GAO has a terrific track record. Uh, since 2000, they report saving taxpayers more than a trillion dollars and also improving government in more than 25,000 ways. This is really through the very basic work of, of program assessments and making these recommendations. But the, the challenge here is that uh, it takes a long time for these recommendations to be implemented. Right now, there are more than 4,600 open recommendations. And if, if they were all enacted overnight, it's likely that the government would save you know, tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars annually. Wow. And that's uh, just for our listeners, 4,600 recommendations that are currently open uh, but haven't been acted upon. And is that something, again, where leadership of both parties can come together and say, hey, can we, let's accelerate this? Or, or are there other uh, levers or, or mechanisms to get some of those things integrated? 
Absolutely. This is where it's encouraging that we're seeing bipartisan leadership on this issue. This new bill would basically require GAO to send a report to Congress each year with a list, essentially a to-do list of here are the things you can do to make government work better. And here's what we could save as a nation by improving these efficiencies. So um, it would really give an agenda to Congress that lawmakers on both sides of the aisle could get behind to make government work better and to cut a lot of waste out of the government. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know if there's anything that would give uh, or restore more trust uh, in the institution of government than really having this as a very front and center agenda item. Uh, again, regardless of who's in the White House, regardless of who's in control of, of the House or the Senate, having this kind of action, I think, would do wonders, uh, not just in terms of efficiency and effectiveness, but I think would also have a high impact in terms of the trust the American people have in government. Absolutely. And I think in going back to your earlier comments, this would be a really good starting point for both parties to work together to address these long-term fiscal challenges. Everyone can agree that we need to act on GAO's nonpartisan recommendations to make the government work better. The next step is to address these bigger challenges. Um, So I'm really hopeful that this bill, if passed, could provide a starting point for that big, important, long-term discussion. Uh, Fantastic. Dan Lips is the head of policy at Lincoln Networks, a great piece in the Washington Examiner. Uh, This is how you restore trust in the system uh, is by having this kind of transparency and accountability. Uh, Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for your time. I love that in that story, the auditors are the hero. Um, I'm not sure that often the auditors get to be the hero in any kind of political story, but that's fabulous. I would add to this conversation, and I appreciate um, Dan Lips's point that it's on leadership to do the work, but I would also argue it's on citizens to acknowledge that we can't both ask for more services and demand lower taxes, which basically American citizens do all the time, right? And the answer probably is we need to cut our spending and raise our taxes if we're ever going to get out of a $24 trillion national debt problem. Yeah, and it seems like people just have taken the national debt for granted. Back in the day, we would see these clocks and these numbers with it increasing by the minute. Now, I think we've become complacent and just assume there's going to be a debt and it's going to be a huge debt. But but those things catch up with you. That that problem is going to catch up with us someday. Yeah, and it, there's just not the political will to do the hard work necessary to fix it. Right. And I don't only blame our leaders for that. Um, did you know what today is, by the way? I think it's a special holiday. It's Earth Day. <laughs> and um, when we come back after the break... Uh, We're going to talk about Earth Day. The West Coast is in a drought. Wildfires have begun. How is Utah being affected? Stay with us on KSL 1160 AM and 102.7 FM. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. 
That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.